The Audiologist, a Phonak podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are in the world listening to this podcast. And welcome to The Audiologist. The Audiologist is a podcast series created by Phonak, and it's to offer audiologists and people interested in audiology some new perspectives on hearing health topics. My name is Jodie Nelson, and I'm the Global Paediatric Audiology Manager at Phonak Headquarters here in Switzerland. In this series, we're going to be covering the topic of remote support appointments for paediatrics. So, If you've ever thought about how you could add remote support appointments into your paediatric offering, and maybe you've wondered how to go about it and still maintain clinical best practice, then this podcast is for you. Today, I'll be speaking with two audiologists from the paediatric clinic at St. Thomas's in London. And the reason that I'm speaking with them is because they've had a lot of recent and significant first-hand experience with this challenging topic. So welcome, Prem, Barbara, and Kirsten Mills. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Nice to be here today. Hi, that. Lovely to have you here. There's so much that we could talk about on this topic. So in order to be able to discuss each topic in enough depth, we're going to present it across a couple of different podcasts. So today's topic is specifically about how remote support came about at St. Thomas's and what did you and the team need to do to get it working well. So let me take you back in time a little bit, a couple of years, I believe, to before you actually had remote support in your clinical offering. So when you first heard that you were going to have remote support, how did, how did you feel about it? So I think it was still quite an abstract concept to see audiology patients remotely. So we kind of got fast-tracked into this as a result of the pandemic. And our initial appointments were more kind of counselling-based where we were using questionnaires and discussing things with, with families rather than doing anything kind of hearing aid related. And then once our virtual appointments pathway came into play and was well established, we were then able to now start offering remote support through the hearing aids, which was something that we were super excited about. So before we go into the nitty gritty, you know, into the specifics, can I just go all the way to the end and ask you, was it successful? Are you happy that you went down that path? Yeah, I would say, yes, it has been successful so far. And we're really excited to see how, you know, how this takes us. And I think because we started, like Kirsten said, with our virtual appointments anyway, we felt like there was something missing. And now we're really excited to kind of keep this going within our paediatric pathways for the future. So can I just uh, discuss that point a little bit further? So you found that these were really, really valuable, that you, you wondered why you didn't have them? so much in previous in your appointment structure previously is that correct yeah i'd say so um i mean the nhs here has kind of been pushing towards digital working for a long time um but audiology has been running the same way um, for many years 
And so it's just so great to see kind of the technology jumping and just seeing how much more we can offer these kids and these families. We tend to be very traditional in how we work with our families and kids, don't we? So this is a real opportunity for us to to change that tradition. You said that you started remote support appointments because of corona, but how did how did it actually start? You know, how did it get introduced into the clinic and, and how did it come about? So um, we'd already been given like laptops and, and kind of the technology was available, um, but we had no incentive really to start introducing it. And like we said, we hadn't really thought about how it would fit in. So when Corona started, we all got sent to work from home and really our team was kind of quite worried about our families and how we would continue supporting them. Sure. We didn't know how long this was going to go on for. Um, and well, so, hang on, was it, wasn't it only going to go for a couple of months? Isn't that <laughs> what we thought for Corona initially? Yeah, apparently. And, you know, as audiologists, we're so used to seeing families and being engaged. And I think for a lot of us, it was very strange being trapped at home, not being able to provide this service. So, yeah, it was exciting to be able to get up and running quite quickly. You said that you had been provided with laptops. Did you have special software or what did you have on those laptops that allowed you to do this sort of work? So we, um, it was, you know, the laptops just were set up as, uh, as per kind of the, the things we had in audiology already. We had to kind of get a VPN going um, to be able to connect to the network. And um, the hospital had already um, looked into a virtual platform. So um, within kind of hospitals, you have to be really careful that you're meeting the information governance and things like that. So it was great that they'd already signed us off as kind of a secure platform to be used. And that was the main new piece of tech that we had to get used to. Um, but everything else was was the same. And did you need any special training to be able to run the remote support appointments from home? So I think there's, there's kind of two things to differentiate here. Um, so when we were initially running our remote appointments, they were through a platform called Attend Anywhere, which is something that's quite separate to remote support as provided by Phonak. So um, this is something that we had to get our heads around because when we were using our virtual appointment platform um, and now that we've started to introduce remote support, the two platforms can't be run on the same device together because they compete for uh, the camera and for the microphone. So that was um, something that we really needed to get our heads around. Once those kind of very small details got ironed out, it was it's actually been so simple and straightforward to use if you're, if you're familiar with Phonak Target and you're familiar with your original um, virtual platform, they are pretty seamless when running them together. And I guess you need to make sure that you've got the the latest target on your on your computers, et cetera, as well. Yeah, absolutely. And not only that is, so we started fitting some of these devices uh, just before the first lockdown hit. And 
I think those devices had been rolled out before remote support had been uh, rolled out into the software. So a couple of our very, very first hearing aid fittings needed to come in for a face-to-face appointment to upgrade the settings on their devices through Target before they could then access remote support. So you're talking specifically about the Sky Marvel devices? Yeah, that's it. And I think we were one of the first sites uh, in the UK to be fitting them. So I think everyone else who started fitting Marvels, even a couple of months later, probably wouldn't have come into that issue at all. For sure, for sure. And did you see every client as a remote support appointment and not necessarily the ones with the Marvel devices? Or did you somehow have to select which clients you would see remotely? So we obviously, you know, when everyone was told to stay at home, we had to prioritise kind of which kids were more at risk and needed to be seen um, and which kids just needed reviewing, you know, as as per our normal waiting lists. So we did spend a lot of time trawling through our patient data and kind of looking at the risk and who we needed to prioritise. Um, and then some children that really did still need those face-to-face appointments, you know, it was very few, but we still did carry on offering those. Um, and yeah, so eventually all of the patients pretty much had a virtual appointment at some point or another, but it was just a case of deciding who who needed to be seen first. Um, and with the Marvels, we already started upgrading families. So actually it was really nice to just use those remote appointments just to check in and see how they were getting on. Um, because lots of them have worn hearing aids for a really long time. And then it was just being able to have that conversation, see how they were getting on and then decide whether they did need to come in or not. Um, So that was a really useful aspect of it. And did you need to, um, so the ones who you decided you would have remote support appointments for, was there a particular client or family criteria that you believed made a big difference to success or whether that appointment was successful or not? I wouldn't say so, no. I I think we're still um, figuring out it's definitely not one size fits all and it, you know, it might not be that everyone will have a remote support appointment, um, particularly now that we're back to face-to-face, but it definitely has its niche and its big market of niche patients that it will benefit from. Um, but we're still kind of ironing out the specifics. And fine-tuning it. Yeah, exactly. So tell me about your first appointments. How did you actually prepare for them? That's a good question. And that took us a little while to figure out because uh, we were obviously not very experienced with it. And like we said, we kind of taught ourselves all about remote support and things like that. So what we did to avoid kind of wasting our time and patients' time while we were still in the learning phase, we actually bought the patient into the department for the the remote support session. So they were sitting in the clinic room. I was sitting in the office and they we connected up and tried to do remote support that way so that if it failed, we still had them face to face and then we could sort out whatever issue it was in the same appointment. And that was simply t- to test the entire system that it was actually exactly. working. Uh-huh. Yeah, yep. that's it. And, um, you know, we didn't want to 
not be able to give them what, what they wanted from the appointment. So unfortunately, our Wi-Fi within the, the service was particularly terrible that day. And it just it, it just boiled down to having really poor Wi-Fi connection. So we, we didn't actually have a successful first pilot of it. But um, at the end of the day, they still got what they needed. It was just simply adding an extra program to the hearing aids, which got resolved in that face-to-face appointment anyway. And that um, th- that's one of the critical things, isn't it? If you haven't got a good connection, doesn't really matter what your platform is or which devices you're using, you're not going to be able to maintain that remote support. No, it's not going to happen. And I think with our families, um, we cover quite a big area. So there's different, you know, socioeconomic backgrounds and things like that. So we had to run a checklist over the phone first to see, uh, do these families have access to Wi-Fi? Do they have access to the technology? Do they have a, a mobile phone? Because um, actually, we don't want to be, you know, not serving the whole population just because they don't have access to the tech. Um, sure. so that was a really important thing to consider. And so that was a checklist that the team developed for your team? Yeah, and it was things like, you know, um, do you have Wi-Fi? Because actually, if a if a patient has to connect to their mobile network, that's actually using up, it's, it's costing them money. Um, and like Kirsten said, we didn't want to waste time. So for a lot of these families, once they started going back to school, we needed to show that we could actually do something remotely and it was worth them taking time out of school, even for that hour or so, um, and making sure the tech worked. Um, so that was quite important. So you said before that um, you felt that these remote support appointments were actually missing and you wondered why you weren't actually using them before. So now that we are through corona, I think that I can say that now, you'll continue with remote support appointments? Yeah, I think we absolutely will continue with them. And I think they're only going to get better and and more fine-tuned to what the patients need. We'll definitely carry them forward. Yeah, we cover a really large area, as a lot of the audiology departments do. So if the family has to travel an hour to get to the clinic site, um, they're missing a lot of time off school. Parents are missing a lot of time off work. So if we can do these simple changes, then you know why shouldn't we be able to? And I think with the virtual appointments anyway, we were using these questionnaires and we were finding these subtle things that might make a big difference to these kids. We had time to spend on counselling and, you know, finding out specifically, is there a situation that they're struggling with? And then to not be able to make those changes seemed a bit a bit pointless, really. Um, yeah. It wasn't something significant enough that they'd have to come in. Um, but we were thinking, what's the point in identifying this if we can't then do something about it? So remote care now we can find out, you know, what those specific situations they're struggling in, particularly the teenagers that seem to engage a lot more. Um, We end up having a lot more conversation with those teenagers than with, you know, if they came face to face where their parent would do all the talking. So um, it's great to immediately be able to act on those changes when they're at home and they can, you know, try the settings out in their own environment rather than in your quiet clinic room. So it definitely has a place, um, you know, for some of these families. That's a that's a really, really important point. And, and it leads me to my next question. And that is, we've discussed it from your perspective, we've discussed it from the clinic's perspective. And it seems from what you were just saying there, the families really like this as well. Am I correct in saying that? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think everyone appreciates it. Um, like Prem was saying, it, it just doing virtual appointments really, as a team, we found it super insightful because people just tended to to open up more. And I guess a lot of our teenagers spend most of their time on devices and talking to people over FaceTime or what have you. So they were definitely more engaged. And so we needed to really harness that. And if they were talking about, say, having a difficult time listening in a ballet class or something, and we could add an extra program, why not do it there and then? It would take 10 minutes of connecting time and then saving time, as opposed to if they were traveling, if they were at one of our further boroughs traveling an hour for something that would literally take us 10 minutes so they are really happy with that um and i think there's loads of benefits in being able to have those discussions and an instant fix So let's just wrap up this podcast. I think that everyone would agree that from the discussions that we've had, we can say that remote support appointments with paediatrics are not only manageable, but they're actually really beneficial. So in the next podcast, we're going to delve into some more details about what activities were undertaken and perhaps maybe some disaster stories, maybe some really surprising positive outcomes from remote support appointments. And also talking about how MyFernac Junior app has had an impact in many of these kids' lives. If you want to learn some more in between now and the next podcast, you can go to the Phonak Pro website where there's a field study news talking about remote support and paediatric populations. Thank you for your time. It's been wonderful having you virtually here with us. I look forward to having you in my company again for our next podcast. See you later. The Audiologist, a Phonak podcast.